It's a podcast. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. We're back with Christmas cheer. We're gonna bring Ernest to the masses at this time of year where they need it most. Like, do they know? You know, on the other side of the world, do they know that Ernest saved Christmas at all? Do they appreciate it? Do they do they give him thanks every year as they should? Mm-hmm. Maybe in a small shrine. Yeah, well, because basically, if it weren't for Ernest in 1998, guess what? Or 1988, no more Christmas. So here's the deal: we're going to be talking about uh, a historical film, both in how it changed people's perceptions on the character of Ernest and how it changed Christmas itself. This is a a great document to cover the transition from uh, Santa Claus from um, the previous Santa Claus to the next. Uh, you know, this is just a great uh, topic. The transfer of power is a great topic for a movie. And Ernest Saves Christmas is entirely about that. But that's not what we're talking about first today. I will just want to say a, a note related to that, though. Uh, we kind of have to, you know, point out the fact that the entire Tim Allen Santa Claus franchise basically just stole its idea from Ernest Saves Christmas. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Ernest Saves Christmas has a slight leg up on the Santa Claus starring uh, Tim Allen in that... Uh, it, it doesn't, doesn't start Tim Allen. A, <laughs> it doesn't begin with a character uh, murdering Santa. No, that's how it ends, as it should. <laughs> <laughs> no, it ends with Santa getting to get some booty on his, on his for his retirement. Oh yeah, I do love that the fact that this movie ends with the, the thought of, oh yeah, old people still fuck. <laughs> Which, nothing uh, reminds uh, kids of all ages more of Christmas than thinking about um, an old dude who's uh, essentially on shore leave for the rest of his life, just just going to town on some old lady. And this is a podcast about Ernest. We should oh, yeah. probably introduce what the show is. Oh yeah, the, this is uh, Hey Vern, It's a Podcast, <laughs> uh, where each each week, each episode, I guess uh, once a month, we watch an Ernest film and an episode of his one season uh, kids TV show, Hey Vern, It's Ernest. Uh, I, I'm, I am your co-host, Marcus Jones. Well, o- over there is uh, your other co-host, uh, Peter Moran, and uh, together... We we are going to try to crack the this this Christmas nut that is Ernest. Yeah, we're going to be a regular bunch of nutcrackers. Um, so we're crackers for sure. Oh uh, yeah. Well, we are <laughs> Ernest fans, and I think that kind of comes with the territory. Although seriously, if any of you out there, any of you listeners, are fans of Ernest and people of color, uh, or or even just just. Uh, women international, in general. Yeah, international anywhere. women in general. Yeah, especially, yeah, not in the, from the U.S., uh, not white dudes in their uh, late 20s, early 30s. Reach out to us. Let us know that you are also an Ernest fan so we know it's not just uh, dudes like us. Because we want to hear your stories on how you connected with the Ernest P. Worrell. So this podcast is entirely devoted to Ernest P. Worrell, Jim Varney's famous child performer That's i was really unsure about how, how you were gonna performer go for children uh, a loved star among children these are children's movies uh we're gonna be looking at them through multiple scopes first we're gonna do 
is a episode of a TV show called Hey Verna, I'm on television or something. And then <laughs> the movie is, and then a movie that we're pairing it up with, sort of like when you go to a five star restaurant. Um, yeah, called Hey Verna, I saved Christmas or whatever. Yes. So uh, Marcus is sort of the sommelier of uh, Hey Verna, it's a podcast. Would you agree with that, Marcus? I would, and Peter is kind of uh, the the uh, the layman uh, mm-hmm. of the podcast. If if you agree with that, uh, yeah, I'm not uh, super familiar with Ernest, uh, which I will be able to say less and less as the show goes on because most of these movies I have not seen. A few of them are repeats. Uh, I actually have seen this movie before Spoiler as a child I liked or it. more recently. Uh, as a teenager, so. I liked it a lot more now than as a teenager. Um, Makes sense. But we'll we'll get into that, obviously. I'm mostly a layman, so even if you don't know shit about Ernest, maybe, just maybe, you'll learn a little something today. I would hope so, because uh, you keep keep tossing this uh, label of expert over at me, and uh, if, if only Ernest had a very exciting fan base or people that were really into him still, uh, I'd probably hear a lot about how wrong I am about everything. <laughs> yeah, I don't see you uh, getting well, white glove slapped very often on your Ernest knowledge. I don't yeah. see that happening. Yeah, sure. I can be the expert. Whatever. Who's going to challenge me? <laughs> Who knows? <more? laughs> Unless director John Cherry has, has a problem with something I say, I don't think anyone's going to challenge me. So, uh, John Cherry, still living? Yes, still, well, uh, as far as I know, yes. Uh, I did meet him a couple years ago, probably about three years ago or so. Uh, but as far as I know, yes, still still alive, still kicking around. Uh, I met him when he did a screening of Ernest Goes to Camp at the Alamo Draft House in Austin. Uh, mm-hmm. Got to meet him, got got a copy of his book, got him to sign it, got, got a nice little piece of Ernest memorabilia. It was a fun experience. So, you wouldn't say he's the cherry on top you would say he's the main he's the whole dessert baby yeah i mean basically uh ernest is is like a cherry pie and john cherry is like the filling he's the core of it and ernest is more like the the uh the runny uh vanilla ice cream on top of said pie that's so true thank you so much for enlightening us with this metaphor that i think can stand the test of generations so marcus are you, uh, do you have any sort of general thoughts before we get into the episode on the Christmas season? We're knee deep in it. This episode is going to be coming out before Christmas. And it is, we're uh, recording December 4th. It very early, yeah, into December. I will say that watching Ernest Saves Christmas got me into the holiday spirit because I was not feeling it at all. I wasn't even Thanksgiving kind of came and went without uh, much fanfare. But after watching this movie, I was like, I kind of feel like Christmas now. I uh, also felt sort of, um, I didn't go home for Thanksgiving for the first time ever this year. I stayed here in San Diego and my girlfriend's parents came to visit. I just, actually my fiance, I just got engaged. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. So it's all part of the plan that, uh, I would uh, ask her, and then shortly after, we would spend Thanksgiving out here. Um, she was not involved in the first part of the plan, but uh, her, her parents kind of came in right after the engagement, and so it was very important for me to like spend time with her family, but this is the first time I've been without my family. Well, yeah, because so through... you're, you're getting married, you're engaged now, you're disavowing your family, you're never going to see them again, <laughs> yes, you're shunning yes. them, so yeah, of course, that's what you have to do. 
so and it's the first time in my life I've had that sort of thing where I, I, I'd be tugged because I was like, part of me is like, be true to how you feel about yourself. And like, I was like feeling sad and I was feeling kind of like homesick for, and I don't usually feel homesick. I don't feel homesick right now. It was just not being home at Thanksgiving specifically. And yet also part of me was like, this is something important to do and this is something that you should do so it was kind of like a complicated week for me because i had these like big peaks where i felt really close with her her parents and also these like valleys where i like missed my family too well it's excellent oh. yeah because you can't really like propose to a lady and then be like all right see ya have fun with your parents <laughs> tell yeah, them about exactly. me i guess <laughs> it would have been literally two days after i asked her is i would have had to fly home i really liked getting to watch this so early in the month to sort of get me in the christmas spirit because i wasn't feeling it right after thanksgiving it was nice to be able to to get a jump start from this this was probably the first christmas yeah this is the first christmas movie i watched of, of the season my inaugural christmas film yeah, yeah, same here. I watched Christmas with the Cranks this year. It's awful. It's something that should not exist. And yet I watched it, and when it was over, I was like, I got a little jingle jangle of the Christmas spirit in there. Like, <laughs> like... I put I some jingle in your jangle. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying it was good. It's no Ernest Saves Christmas, but I got a little jingle in my jangle. Well, again, like we spoke about with uh, the Santa Claus, this movie has a leg up because it does not star Tim Allen. That's true. That's very true. Um, so you, the episode you selected, I think, is the most appropriate episode. Yet, however, it is not specifically Christmas. It just, like, touches on Christmas because it's about holidays generally. Mm-hmm. But none, correct me if I'm wrong, none of the other Ernest movies would fit with holidays. I don't think any of the other ones are, like, Ernest Saves Easter. I mean, you could say, like, Ernest Scared Stupid because it's Halloween-ish, but... Does Ernest Scared Stupid even take place in the Halloween season, or is it just that it has spooky monsters? Actually, that is a good... No, it does take place during Halloween because some of the kids end up dressed up in costumes and stuff. Yes, you're right, you're right. There's the dance at the end. Okay. Because otherwise, Uh, like, yeah, that's just the Ernest Halloween movie, but other than that, it it, it didn't necessarily take place in Halloween. This is what happens when we... That's what happens when we record a month apart. My brain just melts in between. Yeah, so this is the most appropriate, I think, uh, pairing. Uh, I agree with your your sommelier uh, opinion on this. Not that it matters, because I'm not trained, so... Um, well, I, and, purely speaking and none of this matters, because we're doing an earnest <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but so, no, it's, it's holidays. Uh, it just seemed to pair up nicely. We're in the holiday season now. We just got done with Thanksgiving. We're about to go into Christmas. We're watching an earnest Christmas movie. Hey, dude, it's holidays. Hey, dude, it's holidays. Uh, so this is a episode of the... Uh, Hey Vern, it's a show movie. <laughs> hey Vern, it's a show movie? Why can I not remember the name of anything relating to this show? Just, hey Vern, it's Ernest is the name of hey the Vern, show. Hey Vern, it's Ernest. The episode uh, okay. is It's Holidays, because it's Hey Vern, it's Holidays. Hey Vern, hey Vern, it's Holidays. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Um, also, this week, uh, much more uh, branded with Ernest trying to, Ernest, John Cherry, Sam Coax, Coke Sam, excuse me, trying to brand the uh, know what I mean thing. Oh yeah, I'm really surprised. <laughs> I know we'll get to it, but the, the the final kind of frame of the Ernest Saves Christmas didn't have a TM tacked on at the end of it. <laughs> oh my god, oh my god. Because it's, so I emailed you as soon as the movie was over. I was watching Ernest Saves Christmas on my iPad and I screen capped it and emailed you the final frame of the movie. At, but like what i really wish i could have emailed you was all those little kids saying know what i mean because it's 
so cute, but it is also reminds me of Wonder Shows in so much. It does. And actually, in this episode, and I guess we'll set up the plot in a moment, but I feel like more so than any of the other episodes we've watched, the kid cutaways have like a lot more to do and have a lot more uh, like relevance to the story and are reacting to the skits and stuff like that much more so than any of the other episodes. Because here they're even like pretty much every time something ends, they'll cut away to like a few different kids in like colorful boxes, like doing reactions, saying, know what I mean, even like responding to jokes. Like, there, there's a, a moment in here where Ernest makes a really kind of, like, dumb procrastination pun, and then it cuts to a bunch of kids just, like, blowing raspberries like they did not like that joke. Yeah, I do like the um, kids as a commentary. Uh, the kids is, like, the uh, the two dudes from the Muppets that are passing down... Um, but it is very, like, Wonder Shows as well. And it is very Wonder Shows in where the skits not only run into one another... They're, like, referencing one another in a weird way. Having these, like, awkward kids just, like, snapped into these, like, 90s, like, face frames to, like, make one or two comments and then disappear. Very Wonder shows me. You see exactly what kind of shows Wonder shows and was, was sending up. And also what kind of shows uh hey Vern, it's Ernest was uh ripping off of uh so let, let's talk about the plot of this episode uh basically <laughs> the plot is that Ernest is reading a book of uh like world records and he decides he wants to be in this book and his idea is to uh, be the first person to celebrate all the holidays in one day oh yeah and he has it all planned out he gets his friends and the other characters from around the neighborhood to help him out and uh pretty much the different characters are set up in different holidays and like different holiday related sketches that you assume Ernest kind of like runs across in order to celebrate said holidays yeah so they celebrate a little bit of everything there's even like an arbor day joke <laughs> and again uh I, I said this to you off air but looking at my notes in any given Haver and it's Ernest episode, it looks like the scribblings of a madman because it is just like note, 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 completely unrelated, saying random things because this is what this show is. Because my next note is, I remember kind of what it is, I just don't remember the context, but Ernest was singing like uh, Auld Lang Syne and was just like, may owl maintenance be real hot and never hard to find. <laughs> Which is uh, also funny because nobody knows um, the lyrics to Old Lang Syne or what it means. Old Lang Syne, yeah, it's not Old Lang Syne, it's A-U-L-D mm-hmm. Lang Syne. About, like, drunks meeting in a bar. It's this Robert Burns poem. Uh, two drunks meeting in a bar or something and talking about how their life has gotten away from them. It's sort of like a sad, not like a warning tale, but it's sort of like a sad coming-of-age story that for some reason is now on new year something that people sing with a big fucking like sappy grin on their face it matches up with the, the joke in earnest because like <laughs> people do not people do not listen to the lyrics or like really listen to how sad they are but yeah i i, I think that the, the there's a a few characters that have stuck around that have annoyed me uh and they're uh, they're in every episode the tongue guy still is very annoying. Yeah, fucking uh, George and whoever the human is. I only know the, the uh, name of the lizard. The lizard well, is yeah, George. I, I don't know the dude's name, and I don't care. I See, that's the thing, is I think George is such a talented lizard. I think they could work him into a different bit. Yeah, the dude's uh, holding have, him back. <laughs> the dude is holding him back. 
There's a, I think Otto, who's the gross dude? Dr. Otto? Yeah, Dr. Otto, I think, is a, a bit that, like, I wish they had leaned into on the scary episode and then kind of put him away because, like, it's not that funny or interesting to me. It's not, a, he did have a good line in his sketch where he's just like, it's me, Dr. Otto, a naive, semi-evil scientist. <laughs> <laughs> and, but yeah, he has a whole bit about it's Smash a Roach Day. And yeah, it's not that funny, but yeah, you know, he gets to. It's Jim Varney getting to do something different. <laughs> it is, and it, and it is funny because Jim Varney gets to do a new character in the movie, uh, which we'll get to. Um, the like backwoods bug exterminator bug uh, insect handler or whatever you call him which technically um, isn't a new character it's new to us in this series yes yes that's what i meant new to the uh new to the movies at least mm-hmm. um because some of these characters feel like they're rehashes from the show and from the commercials but like uh to the movies at least that's new dr otto is something i've grown i've grown kind of tired with i've also grown tired with well get ready because uh, we're gonna have a whole movie with him coming up in the distant future and maybe that movie will bring me over to his side or something but like the the bits are usually like not that well developed as much as like the straight up earnest bits are yeah because the the, earnest bits kind of always work yeah so so do the chuck and bobby bits the Chuck and Bobby bits are great because we're we're gonna talk about it, but Chuck and Bobby are just a great comic pairing. Gayard Sartain is a is a really talented performer. He's got a really great comedic voice, like this booming comedic voice. In another life, he probably would have been like a great radio man. Oh yeah, no, he has a great voice, but he's also just like visually very slapsticky, and not even just like slapsticky humor. It's not like he's smacking Bobby around or anything like that, but just his facial expressions, like his eye movements, it's all very kind of like old school slapstick comedy did he and bronson pinchett play abbott and costello yeah and hardy laurel and hardy in uh john cherry's film from like the late 90s that's super interesting to me uh because i now want to watch this movie that i literally would never ever have wanted to watch before have you uh uh, have you seen the trailer though i would recommend watching the trailer because it looks terrible i would still watch us hey if we get through the 13 episodes of this series and we feel like maybe we want a little bit more we can do a little ps we we can uh cover his uh john cherry's laurel and hardy movie after you know jim varney had died yeah we can do some weird side stuff we can do the beverly hillbillies we can do the oh yeah being earnest Yes, any yes. Ta- anything tangentially related to Ernest, we can cover. Uh, we can talk we can about the all... evil Ernie comic books. We can, uh... yeah, we can talk about. Um, we can also talk about like any other uh, Jim Barney movies, like I mentioned, Beverly Hillbillies. But we could just like fucking cover Toy Story, but purely from the dog's perspective. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he also has like some weird kind of a uh, B movie ones, like I think a uh, Ski School or Ski Academy is one of them with him and Corey Haim. Let's see, he was in a movie called Fast Food. Him and Tracy Lords were in that. Yeah, just like so, some kind of weirdo uh, B-movies from the 80s and 90s. That I, I, like right, I like right in the middle of struggling to come up with something to say about the show. We're like, let's make the series longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, but obviously, yeah. this is going to go on forever because you're enthralled right now. Aren't you, audience? Oh, God. So the show is, the show is basically... Um, 
half funny bits, half not, but it has that energy where it doesn't kind of matter because like something is really unfunny and then it smashes to something actually really funny. It's it's over in 30 seconds or less and then it goes to the next thing. And it's also all holiday related. So they tend to be holiday related sketches. So like, oh, Thanksgiving didn't work. Fuck it. Let's go to Christmas. Yeah. And and, uh, Garrett Sertain gets to come back and do another bit where he's the character uh, who performs really really specifically synthesized uh audio bits oh yeah yeah the audio bits that are literally just the sounds from that gun you had as a kid that had like 10 sounds on it that would repeat and order and here's what's interesting about it they set up sometimes they intro characters by playing the same bit that you've seen over and over again to introduce like and the amazing uh you know the amazing magician existo that the existo that's half of the existo bit is just the intro stuff you've already seen before well same thing with the uh, the ernie the barber uh sketch it's the same thing like literally him coming in is a new thing but his whole actual giving ernest a haircut is the same exact clips played in in like fast motion that it is i've seen every time the barber sketch is also an easy cut because it is never funny. And so far it's just been, does something ridiculous, Jim Varney freaks out in an almost identical manner, and then he goes, it can work. It could work, yeah. This I time he gets this. he uh, a wedding cake head. Yeah, and it's just like not funny at all, but it, like it shows you how these shows could appeal to children, because like children would... Uh, recognize their old funny bits and like children like like to feel smart right children like so to feel they're like in they're in on a joke. joke yeah yes. so they know what's coming so they're like oh i get this i'm a part of this because i've yes. been watching so setting up completely new jokes every single time mm-hmm. is really really tough but setting up half of a new joke every time like just doing the same you know setup for a joke and then putting in new punchlines well they're all about recycling jokes because they even have a bit in here i i i don't even remember what holiday it was for i think it was like national water skiing day or something but they have a thing where like chuck and bobby uh have Ernest on water skis in a pool and then are supposed to like drive off in a boat and pull them forward that is literally a bit from an earnest commercial for like dairy products some of this stuff are jokes that have been recycled over the years but like when they get to the when they get to the core earnest stuff it's when it really gets lovely um and then they did bring back my favorite segment uh why did i fuck a clown and every episode now that i've realized that why did i fuck a clown which is about a half clown half human family now that i've realized that it's just about these humans locked in with these horrible fucking clowns that they hate getting emotionally and physically abused by clowns on a daily basis because even like the 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 human son is just like oh we have to eat rubber chicken again this kid is getting no nourishment he's eating rubber chicken for dinner on a regular basis yeah, you hope that um, one of the, the his clown captors chokes on rubber chicken before, uh, you know, this kid dies of starvation. Is this kid... I hope that this kid lives in a district where he gets school lunches for free. Because oh, really his breakfast... So. His, his breakfast and his dinner are rubber chickens and shit and getting well, and sprayed in fair, the face economically, with flour. If, he, if he does live in a school zone like that, economically, he's getting those free lunches. Because his mom is is a housewife, she does not work. All the money comes in from my father, the clown. And you know how much money can he be making? He's a he's a, a real son of a gun. I think that cl- that clown dad. Um, you know, I know that at work 
you have to be a clown. I know that there's a sort of hard thing for people to get behind that, like, you have to be one person at work and one person at home. But, like, that's just part of being an adult is, you know, sometimes you got to put on your work pants. And sometimes you got to come home. You got to act like just an adult. You can't be the guy you were at work. You can't be Mr. Mr. Big Clown Man walking around, throwing your big pants around, your big rubber nose, trying to boss your family around. I hope this woman gets a divorce on the last episode of this show. That'd be glorious. Yeah, I mean, and I would say I hope she's able to take half of everything he has, but that would just More be than. like that would just be like taking half of fucking Carrot Top's prop oh. trunk. <laughs> <laughs> My ex-wife fucked me. <laughs> that is not what Carrot Top sounds like, but that's what a clown would sound like. Oh. You went through a bad divorce. Oh, I thought uh, you were trying to pull out your carrot top impression because it is not good. Um, alimony, more like alimoning about how much money I'm giving to my ex-wife. <laughs> oh, God, you would have killed in the 80s. Yeah, I, would, I really would have. I, I should have been a prop comic in the 80s. Um, um, oh, so another annoying character that shows back up is Woody, which is the uh, like ventriloquist dummy Ernest that Ernest does a ventriloquist act with and i kind of realized like he's always kind of shitting on Ernest and being kind of a, a, a an asshole and it really just made me realize like oh and you just watched Pee Wee recently and especially uh the peewee christmas special from peewee's playhouse so you know the character of randy the kind of uh marionette doll that's an asshole like yeah, that's kind yeah. of what that's ripping off i feel like yeah randy's a real piece of shit ventriloquist stuff and marionettes are never funny uh oh my god we're, we haven't even gotten to Ernest. uh Ernest saves africa or whatever um, <laughs> that's coming up believe yeah. me yeah Ernest scared progressives there um, there were like uh two new characters that popped up i guess that i hadn't seen before um one was sergeant glory which is jim varney yes. doing like a a uh like a captain or i don't an know an early army yeah. drill sergeant thing yeah um and then there was also uh miss uh yeah mrs simon simmons uh which is played by jackie welch uh who also does appear in Ernest Hitch christmas as well she's super funny it's like this bit about how to be an asshole but politely yeah well uh, it, it's that kind of like southern bell charm kind of like oh bless your heart kind of thing like you're you're being sweet to someone but you're kind of like stating the undertones of like yeah you're fucking up <laughs> So, like, what I kind of wish could happen in the show is I wish that they would really go off the cuff. And instead of having, like, these 30-second bits where they just, like, gave a bunch of, you know, characters their, their each own little segment of time. Instead, I wish, like, the really funny characters could be given, like, three minutes and, like, really lean into it. Like, an SNL bit where, like, it stops being funny about two minutes in and then it gets funny again. You know, like, those SNL characters where you're well, yeah. like... I, I feel like they're going to stick to the same characters. It loses the luster characters. and then it gets better. Yeah, I feel like they're going to stick to the same characters we've seen over and over again. And maybe a few side ones will pop in. But I also, how do you feel the show would work if instead of just being like random cutaway 30 to a minute long bits with characters that maybe do or don't work? What if it were all these characters or whatever, but uh, obviously other than the ones that Jim Varney plays, like, it's Ernest coming into contact with these characters. So say, like, if Ernest was in the bit with Miss Simon Simmons, and she was kind of, like, teaching him how to do this, or things like that, do you think that would work better for the show? Probably, though, I do really like that some part of Jim Varney is bucking against having to play Ernest again, and again and again, by 
having all these other weird characters in there. Mm-hmm. It's just none of them took off. What? What's the Aunt Mildy? Aunt Aunt Nelda. Aunt Nelda. Auntie Nelda. Aunt N- yeah. Auntie Nelda is, I think, the most successful side character in terms of she just keeps coming back and she she's made it funny into several movies. Time. Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty funny most of the time. She's this like crotchety old woman who ha- actually sometimes in this in this uh, episode she mentions Ernest in a derisive manner. Yeah, it, she said someone needs to tighten up the nut on Ernest. Do you follow my reading with that? Do you think that Ernest is? Uh, excuse me. Do you think that Jim Varney is bucking against having to exclusively play Ernest? That he's like, I want to play all these other weird characters, but no one will. Yeah, no one and, will bite. and making jokes at his own expense, being like, man, that Ernest is a real dumb dumb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the best jokes in the series are when they find clever ways to say Ernest is dumb. Like in Scared Stupid, where Ernest is uh, at the chalkboard, and he gets, like, it's like a flashback to, like, Kid Ernest, and he gets slapped in the back of the head. Yeah. Like, or, or, like, in Goes to Camp, when, like, every time he lights a match, he gets just lost in the flame before it goes out. The best jokes in the series are often at Ernest's expense. But you need the movies to come back around and be sweet. The movie we're going to talk about is Sugary Sweet. Do you have any other final thoughts on the, uh, uh, the episode? Yeah, I was about to say, the movie we're going to talk about makes my fucking teeth rot. It's so sweet. Um, it is uh, Sugary Sweet. a couple of small things I do want to mention. Uh, just things that I thought were cute or good moments. Um, there's like a weird racing scene where it's like Ernest racing in a family sedan kind of thing. But he has a helmet on that just says Fast Ernie on it that I thought was really cute. Oh yeah, there's another cute. there's another Chuck and Bobby segment where they're doing like a hog calling day. And then Bobby like has a voiceover like yodeling bit that I thought was pretty funny. The Bobby thing is both great and it's also like I wish that... Gerard Sartain had gotten to be more of a foil against Ernest. Not foil, but, like, had gotten to take over more of the screen time up against Ernest. Mm-hmm. And, like, that they just paired Chuck up with Ernest as, like, in a couple of buddy, like buddy situations for these movies. Well, and that's what's weird, because, I mean, obviously we don't know what kind of timeline this is working on. It seems like every movie exists inside of a vacuum, and they don't really call back to any of the other movies at any point in time, at least it's not as far as I remember. There's never, like, a movie later on where it's like, uh, but this one time I was at this camp, so I know what I'm talking about here. Like, they don't really call back to each other, because even in uh, Ernest Saves Christmas, which came out, it was the second movie after Ernest Goes to Camp, like, Chuck and Bobby are there, but, like, Chuck and Bobby don't know who Ernest is in this movie. So Chuck and Bobby are completely detached from Ernest, and I ho- I, I don't anticipate that was Jim Varney being, uh, you know, protective over his space. But, like, it is weird to have these characters that are clearly supposed to be sort of complementary to Ernest, and yet they don't have that many scenes together. They, they really don't like i said yeah they more just kind of play off of each other in an interesting way and i guess to kind of close out the actual episode before we get into the movie of course the show is hey Vern, it's Ernest. we have kind of a special thing today because it is the only appearance of Vern in an Ernest movie in the movie we're going to talk about today but let's talk about the final scene in this episode which is that uh as a congratulations of Ernest achieving his world record of celebrating every holiday in a day Vern gives him a present and it's like oh he gets a vacation and then Ernest reads the ticket and he's like oh a one-way ticket to Borneo thanks Vern <laughs> it is the show is at its best when it's le- it's basically them going back to jokes from the commercials doesn't uh, Ernest or Vern kiss Ernest in this 
He certainly does. He gives him a the little camera smooch. zooms in. That's uh that's another weird thing is that Vern has uh uh almost no lines in this series and yet He has an yeah. arc. He has a weird like love hate with Ernest. Like he appreciates him, he sees the sweetness in Ernest, but I think he's always fighting against how goddamn fucking annoying he is to him. Yeah, but like it's it's like Stockholm syndrome. Eventually Vern comes around. That I think is uh Hey Vern, it's holidays uh, show watching uh TV. Jesus Christ. In the past, there have been many traditional ways to celebrate Christmas. With songs, with gifts, with family and friends. There's a new way. Ho, 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 Vern. With Ernest. <laughs> Ernest P. Warrell. Yeah. He's back. Know what I mean? Back to save Santa. Santa's in the slammer. Look at those beady, twinkling eyes. Back to save Christmas. <laughs> Back to save face. Your dead meat. That's life for you. Isn't she a doll? Ernest <laughs> T. Laurel. Mr. Funtime. In the mission they said couldn't be done. On Comet. On Cupid. On Donder. In the movie they said shouldn't be done. Dopey, grumpy, uh, a blister. Blister. You guys say you have a problem with reindeer? <laughs> Trim the tree. Light the candle. Deck the hall. And hit the deck. Because Ernest P. Oral's coming to town. And he's coming with colorful cards and festively wrapped packages. Air brakes. <laughs> Ernest saves Christmas. But yeah, so, uh, hey. Marcus. Hey. Do you want to talk about uh, Ernest saves Christmas? The part of this uh, show that we our bread and butter what we really came here to do the christmas spirit courses through me like uh nicotine running through the bones and blood of jim varney oh yeah it was uh it was made of that stuff <laughs> his blood was a very syrupy liquid i bet you it was like uh tar black and then when he cut himself it didn't really bleed it so much it just kind of foamed out yeah, it oozed a bit, uh, tasted a bit like Jim Beam. <laughs> Hi, Vern. I can't do the voice because his voice is so gravelly, but it still sounds sweet. Well, and it constantly fluctuates. Yeah, it, it does. It sounds like bourbon, the voice. Hi, Vern. Like, See, but even I, every time we do that, because that's how I get into it too, I'm like, hey, Vern. Hey, Vern. But I, I feel like we're a bit too childish Hello. with it. We're a bit too, uh, like, ratty like mousy with it as opposed to him mm-hmm. who has the f- fucking voice of a man <laughs> yeah part and he's part gentleman is part of the deal so i feel like both of us are leaning into some sort of like southernness of it and i feel like you have to get the, but we're uh, missing the gentleman part the southern gentleman <laughs> yes yes hi Vern. like oh, i'm getting closer a there better. a little bit better a little bit better it, it's not good but we'll get there uh so Ernest this Saves Christmas. Is Ernest Scared Christmas. <laughs> this is a film about Ernest just sort of running a B plot while Christmas happens alongside him. Uh, for most well, yeah, of the movie, I guess... it's weirdly enough. The movie is mostly about Santa trying to get trying to do independent work 
to get uh, his replacement in there. And Ernest is mostly not helping. Well, yeah, no, he's very kind of trivial to the plot. Like, he doesn't even really save Christmas, to be honest, other than the fact that he kind of keeps these characters together and is someone that Santa can depend on to try to you know, get to his final goal. And I guess he does drive the sleigh, but he kind of fucks that up and almost ruins Christmas. It's Ernest doesn't fuck up Christmas. It's not Ernest saves Christmas. It's it's Christmas survives despite Ernest. <laughs> so it's similar It's similar to Scared Stupid. Can you give call someone a hero because they set a house fire and then put it out? Well, I mean, in an Ernest movie, you certainly can, and there's no other way to find a hero, to be honest. <laughs> So like the movie is kind of, the movie begins with a Santa Claus figure which by the way air- maybe one of the best Santa Clauses ever committed to film uh played by Douglas Seal who uh, I haven't seen a lot in movies but y- y- probably everyone knows him as the voice of the sultan from Aladdin. Yes. So it's sort of a um Sort of like a sweet voice, an elderly voice, but like a goofy trickster kind of voice. And it's not Santa just done in a, you know, a patriarch kind of way. It's Santa done in a, um, Santa who not only loves children, just loves like jolliness and joy uh, in a very, like, yeah, in a very sort of classic 1940s sense. And he's being, he wants to find a replacement. Well, he has a very like Miracle on 34th Street kind of Santa. Yes, yes. It's a very, like, 40s sense of, of joy, post-war sense of joy, I'll say. It's not, um, it's not this, uh, a more modern alternative, uh, this, like, deep booming Santa. So, so let's uh, talk about this. You did mention, like, oh, it's kind of, you know, Christmas survives despite Ernest. Well, originally yes. they did want it to be Ernest was gonna become the new Santa Claus, but Disney was like, Come on, guys, let's have some fucking continuity. We can't have Ernest become Santa Claus, then what are we going to do in the next movie? <laughs> Even though yeah. all these movies kind of exist in a vacuum, so that's why he's more kind of sidelined in the plot, and it's about Santa trying to find a different replacement that's like a, a kid's TV show host. Yeah, so think about Scared Stupid, and think about uh, Ernest Goes to Jail, uh, and Ernest Goes to Camp. His dream is not to be cu- to own the camp, his dream is not to, uh, you know, become the, the mayor of the town and Scared Stupid. His dream is not to own the bank in uh, Goes to Jail. His dreams are always, like, very humble, and it adds a sweetness to it. Yeah, His dreams he... are like, he wants to become a bank clerk. He wants to become, he wants to be, be a garbage man. He wants yeah, to be... He doesn't want to be Santa. He just wants to be a cab driver. <laughs> that, that's his he... job in this movie. <laughs> He would love to be Santa's helper. Like, that would if he be, could be an be... honorary elf, yeah, that would be like his his his, his top tier life goal. Yes, he does not want to be Santa though. So it does it does it's a, it's a it was a good branding choice, a good call on Disney's part to be like, well, Ernest gets to help out with this Christmas, but next Christmas Ernest is going to be shooting hoops or going to Africa to do some racism. And <laughs> to it's gonna do be riding racism. again. So uh, that was a wise choice on their part. So er, er, in this movie, Ernest is Santa adjacent. He picks him up from the Tampa, Florida, uh, Orlando airport. Oh, it's uh, yeah, the Orlando. Which airport. I do, I do love that because let, let's talk about this as well. The opening of this movie, usually in all the other ones we've seen, they're very uh, 
Ernest related credit sequences with like, you know, music and the credits and Jim Varney just being funny and stuff. This is just straight up like very Christian Christmas kind of music and like Santa Claus Coke ad kind of uh, images and things like that. And then immediately it just cuts to a plane landing and it's like Orlando, Florida, December 23rd. (laughs) (laughs) Them doing them doing it in florida is pretty funny because of a the comic contrast of like the uh, least christmasy place yeah uh so the fun thing about growing up in chicago is like not not 90 percent, but like 70 percent of christmas movies are midwestern and use some sort of chicago-iness home alone for example home alone and planes trains and automobiles christmas vacation like even if they shoot in california they're talking about chicago even christmas yeah, uh, even chicago christmas, story, christmas yeah even in christmas story it takes place in indiana but and uh they're bears fans like it's like still feels like a chicago suburbs thing because <laughs> uh, obviously well uh, chicago is maybe chicago the best christmas city ever i don't know <laughs> it's because we get we have we have the big strips of uh you know shopping and we've got the snow but also we've got suburbs so you get to see like a suburban christmas which is what people kind of picture but yeah christmas is a uh, chicago is a very christmasy city new york has that honor as well well that's where the second home alone took place milwaukee if you get snow and you have a lot of shopping uh and you also have like suburbs to go to you probably have a christmasy city uh the funny thing is that like for a second i was like oh yeah well this is like in the south because like this is how southerners think about christmas but i'm thinking about it, i'm like they got snow in tennessee and kentucky and shit like this I mean, isn't like sometimes i i live in alabama and i've seen snow four or five times in my life in, as, in as a 30 year old man yeah it okay no all in alabama uh i think maybe three times in my home city of mobile and twice when i lived in auburn which is much more north so it, it, it is a novelty when it happens it is still a novelty like uh, when you get a bit more northern alabama it happens a bit more often but it's still a novelty like when i was living in auburn and saw snow like i was still like a kid for a moment because it was also the most snow i'd ever seen because in mobile that far south when we got snow it was like a half an inch that melted about four hours later like i the only snowman i ever built in mobile was like covered in grass and dog shit and twigs and stuff like that <laughs> So I grew up, when I grew up, um, we had a lot of great, like, white Christmases. Uh, The thing that sucks is because of how seasonal shift is happening and because of global warming and shit. We usually do not have a white Christmas, which is a blessing in disguise when you get older because it means you don't have to travel during a fucking snowstorm. Them picturing the South, and particularly Florida, as, like, hot, humid Christmas is very funny to me because it's just, like, not what people picture as Christmas. But it's probably, like... For a lot of people, like, that's uh, the fucking Orlando, Florida. Like, obviously, I don't feel the humidity in the movie, but, like, a sunny... Well, everyone is sweating constantly. Yeah, that's closer to what I'm going through right now in Southern California. 
I mean, I don't feel the humidity, obviously. But yeah, like, I was about the, to say, fuck palm... you with your Southern California. You don't but know the, what heat is. But I, I, the, we don't have the palm, tr- like we have the palm trees, we have the sun, like all that stuff. Like that, no, no snow, no like autumnal change, really. Like that feels weirdly enough. The the timing is weirdly appropriate for me to see this. I'm sure as a kid, it must be confusing to see Christmas movies that don't take place in the Midwest. Because you're like, I want snow! Uh, unless you grew up in the South like other people that weren't you, Peter. So, you don't... So, so for Christmas, what do you, do you just picture... Do you picture it being chilly out? Do you picture it being sunny out? Do you uh, have any well, weather attachments to it? Again, uh, last Christmas, I was out in Texas. Uh, I literally was in a shorts and a t-shirt uh, on Christmas. Uh, honestly, being back in Alabama... Uh, Thanksgiving here was colder than it was for Christmas last year for me in Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, so what? So but no, like honestly, want, this, like, this movie. If you get one, would you want a white Christmas, or do you like the idea that you can just like walk anywhere you want because you didn't grow up with it? Well, I mean, like I said, every once in a while it is a nice novelty, and usually in this area, the snowfall is minimal to where it doesn't really affect things too bad and it's more just kind of a, a nice thing to have uh but i think maybe that's also why this movie worked for me as a kid because the idea of like oh snow being a bit of a christmas miracle spoke to me because i had never really or maybe seen snow once the first time i'd seen this movie and especially the movie having and you know christmas movies sometimes do this where especially the there's a couple California Christmas movies that are like, yeah, I'll do that when it snows here in L.A. And then the, at the end of the movie, it snows. Uh, spoiler alert, at the end of Ernest uh, Saves Christmas, it snows in Florida and it changes the hearts and minds of everybody around. Well, yeah, the new Santa Claus uh, performs a Christmas miracle with his mind powers and forces it to snow in Orlando, Florida, which causes a cold-hearted businessman to let the person he was yelling at take christmas eve off yeah he's he didn't say call me in the new year but he was just like we'll figure this we'll out we'll take it later. out later he wasn't like give me a call tomorrow or anything yeah it's like, we'll <laughs> that would be hilarious he's just like you know what i'm gonna look at some fucking snow call me at 7 a.m tomorrow yeah. <laughs> um can we also mention oh that no a... he doesn't get it at all like a, a nice jimmy stewart impression <laughs> um <laughs> So, so let's talk a little bit about this. This is a Christmas movie, of course, and, you know, Christmas Santa is very, you know, traditionally kind of American thing. Uh, this movie really wants to keep the Christ in Christmas a little bit, I feel like. How do you figure? Well, it started with the opening. During the opening, where it is showing, like, very, like, Coke ad Santa Claus pictures and stuff like that, they even had, like, some more Christian uh, Christmas songs playing during it. Uh, And then there's one particular moment that really struck me as odd, uh, especially given what we've seen of Ernest so far and what we see going forward, but he's a cab driver, and he's driving a fare along, and he opens up his glove box for one reason or another, and when he opens it up, there's a bumper sticker inside that says, Keep the Christ in Christmas. Yeah, yeah, um, that moment I just, uh, fucking ignored, but it is definitely them appealing to, like, their southern, southern oh, yeah, white no, fan base. because they focus on that thing, like, they, that is in there for a reason. 
However, even more so, I do want to talk about this original uh, guy, this original fare that he has in his cab. Because before Ernest even starts driving crazy and, you know, doing his Ernest stuff, this guy is already sweating bullets, and I wasn't sure if that was because it's in Orlando in December, which I'm sure, you know, isn't super cold, but I'm sure isn't blazingly hot either. Um, but he's sweating and wearing a trench coat and a hat and carrying a briefcase, and I thought he was, like, transporting a deadly virus or something. <laughs> And yeah, this kind is of actually maybe... the beginning of Ernest serves the twelve monkeys virus. I, I to, kind of think Ernest uh... maybe foiled a terrorist attack with this guy. <laughs> Ernest, no, Ernest gets him on the flight though. Ernest well, he gets, gets him, on... he gets him into the the baggage area. Like he he checks him like baggage. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ern- uh, this guy is carrying the twelve monkeys virus. He's going to change the whole world. Um, and Ernest helps him along. DNA. And Ernest is. That would be amazing. Well, maybe he was transporting it safely, but Ernest fucked it up, so it got loose very quickly. (laughs) If I were a billionaire, I would do that. I'd be like, I'm going to fund your big apocalyptic movie where at the end of the the day, nobody saves it. And and the director's like, thank you. Thank you so much. And then I go, but there's one catch. I also bought the rights to to Ernest, and Ernest has to be the one that fucking causes the apocalypse the last Ernest movie is gonna be like a shot from behind like uh dude imitating jim varney and he's gonna be like yeah i'll drive you uh yeah i'll drive you to the nuclear power plant. you're still doing jimmy stewart what the fuck are yeah, you doing i can't do it <laughs> <laughs> yes i'll drive you to the power plant like i can do Ern- Ernest's fake voice better than his real voice um, oh no yeah his fake voice where he gets deep like that that's more doable it's just his actual voice it's a fucking enigma it but is yeah i can i can see Edward also enigma. just like a weird cutaway to Ernest like standing like having to cut wires on a like a doomsday device bomb kind of thing it's being like uh, uh well Vern, uh, if your old buddy Ernest knows anything it's that uh you always cut the yellow wire and then cuts it in immediately like nuclear explosion everyone dies uh <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> yeah cue like ironic 1960s song about like i'll love you forever or whatever and then uh california dreaming comes on <laughs> yeah california dreaming and then nukes dropping Ernest is an adjacent character in this movie weirdly enough like he drives he picks up santa from the airport he accidentally switches uh sacks with santa claus he also picks up a a lonely uh, spunky drifter it's not even it's not even switching sacks uh just santa claus uh the idea is that santa claus has been santa claus for a long time he's like over 150 years old and he's getting to the point where he needs to transfer his santa powers to someone else because he's after a while the magic drains and he's losing his magic and he needs to find another person that's worthy of being santa that he can transfer it to and this new person can be santa so he's starting to be forgetful he doesn't remember every child's name he doesn't remember where they live all the time Time. so he kind of absentmindedly forgot his magic sack uh in the back of Ernest's taxi cab which kind of just serves to uh keep Ernest in the plot because otherwise he wouldn't stay there uh but yeah let's talk about the uh the the young teenage drifter the waif um so she's uh a sassy sort of um her name is uh Noel Parker uh mm-hmm. Harmony is the name of the character 
Uh, what was her actual name though like patricia or something like that well i know like she says her name like she's kind of like a, a spunky like runaway that is just grifting and lying to everyone she comes across and her she says her name's like harmony whatever she made up a name but i think her real name's like patricia or something like that and she just ran away from home because her parents are yelling at each other all the time and not paying her any attention uh yeah it, it, you assume she's actually an orphan um but she's really no, just kind of a, a privileged a drifter. White girl that, that just kind of ran away from home because she wasn't getting the attention she wanted. So the weird thing is that Ernest is usually, uh, we, we categorize Ernest as this drifter that goes from town to town taking on odd jobs. It's still true in this. Now he's a cab driver. Well, he finds uh, a bit of a, a confidant. Man. He finds a bit, of, a bit of a soulmate, a bit of a young Ernest, if you will, in this uh, young teenage girl. Except for she is uh, a con man. She is she she, she is a bullshitter, but she's like a, she's a successful bullshitter, which sort of takes some of the sweetness out because like it actually works. Yeah, no, she is, and I actually think that uh, she herself like she is a good character, and I think she's even a good character in an Ernest movie. But there are just certain things about her character and certain things about the way Ernest interacts with her that are a bit uncomfortable because we always have the questions of like, hey, why is Ernest allowed around children in this movie? And hey, does Ernest fuck in this movie? And she's a bit of a Lolita for Ernest, I think, in this movie. Uh, here's the problem. Uh, I looked this up because I was curious. I was like, she looks too old to be playing a child, which is something that's always interesting to me when like, child stars get a big break which it seems like she should be between like 13 and 15 in this movie maybe so this movie came out in 1988 she was born in 1971 so she was like 16 or 17 but she's definitely supposed to be playing a spunky 13 year old right yeah totally she's way too like um her face is too developed. She's too like tall. Like she just like lo- she's just uh, well. It's more her look. Cast. She has her the cat- look of like a a thirteen year old girl in the the late eighties. Like the way her braids are and like the way her hair is and everything. Like she is made up to look like a child. But she has like a woman's face because she's like almost eighteen. So it's like very. It's a very weird thing. She <laughs> I love your have... definition of a woman, Peter. But like you know what I mean. You know like, she's she like sixteen. Like, she's a she's woman. Like, she's like at the she's at the end of puberty at least. So yeah. she doesn't have that like thirteen year old like innocence to me. So when I see her in this movie acting like a shit bag, I'm like, just go to your you go home to your parents. It's not like this thing where I'm like I'm like oh yeah I remember when I was thirteen. I'm like what are you 18 go back to school did you not get your ged like i'm saying yeah, like why should they give a shit about you you're an adult they probably asked you to leave because you wouldn't <laughs> exactly. get a job exactly she's just she's very cute she's very spunky she's fun in the role it's fun to see like this this sort of per- that one of the kids actually have like a big personality because usually the kids well, are just like because they're multiple not kids. gonna like this yeah but there's multiple <laughs> kids so that's harder to do but when you just have one kid you can give that one kid all the personality that you have to split up between like five kids and other movies so, so she has all the personality and she is a good character i think i, I enjoy her in this movie i i just 
uh, it's a little weird to see her with Ernest in this movie. And especially just the way, like, I think one of their last scenes together, she, like, gives him a kiss on the cheek. And it's not just, like, a sweet, like, oh, you helped this child get her life back together. And she gives you a little kiss on the cheek. And, like, a sweet way, like an Annie or something like that. It's more just kind of like he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> she <Yeah>. likes me. <laughs> like, that's oh. why Ernest yeah, that's has to hide it's... a boner for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's so weird, because she's, like, too... It's this. This is gonna sound very sexist. She is too old for the role of a thirteen-year-old, because <laughs> it, it it does lose some of the, the the appeal when you're the appeal of like this like young girl who like is clearly lost when you're like she does she seem more look, grown up. Yeah, she looks like me in my senior photos. Like I'm like get your shit together, dude. Well, you guys um, did have a very similar hairstyle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't know why you were rocking that in like 2007, but still, is because I had a lot of beads hanging around. And I happened to have, you know, 18 inches of hair. And I decided, like, let's make this, let's, you know, let's make hay out of this. But yeah, she's, for what she, for what she was cast as, she does a great job. She's, she's funny. Uh, when she play when she has to play a really little girl, she kind of creeps me out. Yeah, um, it does. Because, yeah, she does that. And there's even, there's a scene where, like, uh, her and Ernest go undercover to, like, the jail to bust out Santa Claus. Which is, like, a good scene. Good constructed scene. But it's still just, like, her dressed up in a, a schoolgirl, like, Catholic schoolgirl uniform. Uh, saying daddy a lot and stuff. And it's just, it's, uh, it's a little creepy. But it is a great scene. So they, um, as the movie goes on. Uh, this movie does have a fun sort of wi- uh, road movie wild ride kind of appeal. Um, and it's a road movie, but it all takes place in Florida, right? Yeah, it's all um, in Orlando. Yeah, so... There's a lot of scenes of people driving in cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of driving in circles. So uh, there's a fun scene where they discover Ernest, you know, meets up with this girl... And just jumping back, I th- the reason that it's important that she be, like, 13 and look 13 and be coded as 13, I think, is because, like... because well, Ernest that is the shouldn't last... fuck in this movie. Yeah, Ernest should it's not It's a Christmas movie. movie. Ernest should not fuck in this movie. Uh, 100%. But also, I think her being coded as just above childhood, just an inch above childhood, is because she's supposed to be this, like, jaded-by-the-world person... And then at the end of the movie, she regains her childhood. She's like, I'm going to go back to my parents. I'm not going to be living on the road anymore. She believes in I'm Santa gonna, Claus. I believe she believes in, Santa in Santa the Claus. good in the world. She believes that her parents yes. ha- love her and care about her and wants to go back to having that feeling of being a child and having the parents that care about her. Yes. So, like, that's the thing. Where, like, her, her that happening to, like, a 13-year-old is, like, interesting. But, like, the as the movie goes on, it's, like, earnest and this, like, almost 18 year old hanging out it's just very weird to me and then he also uh, leans really heavily on his john wayne impression and calling her little lady and stuff like that like does it several times throughout the movie and it's it's weird because it's not so much like uh like in scared stupid where Ernest does like this barrage of impressions at her or anything like that it's most like he keeps leaning back on that like he's kind of like being oddly flirtatious with her and is like oh it's okay little lady and like it's 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 the weirdest like earnest to kid relationship in one of these movies i think so this movie is both the best and best and worst of both worlds so far with earnest and children because like the best because they picked only uh, one kid (laughs) yeah just one kid and they gave that kid a lot of personality as opposed to this like generic 90s like 
I'm Tyler and I ride my bike. That's my character. And I'm Skylar and I ride my, you know, skateboard. Yeah, this character That's actually has am. depth and has an arc, which I appreciate it. And again, the the actress uh, really Noel Parker much. like does a really good job in this. Like I she plays a character, has an arc, interacts very well with all of the other characters in the movie. Like yeah, it, it is yeah. probably the best kid character in an Ernest movie so far. So that contrast is most most specifically felt in, as he mentioned, where these two, they're on the road, and they figure out sort of what's going on. They figure out that they have gotten hold of Santa's sack through an accident, and they're like, let's go save Santa. Ernest gets to don this new character that's one of my favorite characters, which is a waspy government hack who's like, you know, like, he was Yale buddies with the governor or whatever, right? So he, uh, but now like he's breaking... like, now he's like glorified babysitter, pretty much. Yeah, he gets to pick up weird, like weird specific cases that are in local prisons for like a specific state penitentiary for well, yeah, psychological. But he patients. works for the governor, and it, uh, she's like the governor's niece and doing a school project about prisons, and like so he brings her in, but he's very much just like kind of a glorified babysitter for this little Lolita there. And just kind of like, oh, you wouldn't want to upset the governor, right? (laughs) And it's a thing where she is, like, delivering good lines. She says, like, is this the way government really works? Like, saying these sort of, like, sassy lines. She's being sassily, like, ditzy. Like, she's being ditzy, but, like, showing that, like, I'm not fucking ditzy. (laughs) It's like, is this how you expect me to act in this situation? Yeah, you like you want me to act like a kid. This is what a kid looks like to me because I'm this jaded child, right? So it's yeah. weirdly revealing for her character. It is weird because she's doing the whole like baby voice thing. Or, but yeah, Ernest gets to you know, this like <laughs> like big teeth, like <laughs> well, gets to talk over the warden and totally gets to make this warden character be uh, a straight man up against him. And it's fun because he just gets like trounced all over. And it's a really great example of uh, Jim Varney unveiling a new character, getting it in a scene and having it to be a fun little surprise for the audience because you're getting to see Ernest actually do something creative and try something fun. And on the other side, since they finally decided to develop one of the kid actors... Uh, she gets to be in on the joke too. She's, she gets to perf- put on a little performance too, and it makes you endeared to her more. So by the end, well, I was she like, also I think instills go- confidence in Ernest because I don't think like because obviously we've seen him try to pull off characters and do shit before. Like in the last episode, Ernest goes to jail trying to do anti Nelda and then not getting out. But I think like she kind of boosts his story, and because it's two people working together, and I think she boosts his confidence and like pulling off this character and makes him more relatable or it makes him more competent in the situation it kind of makes both of them more competent though like it gives both of the characters more power know what i mean, <laughs> like, know what it, I mean. It, yeah yeah don't ever say that on this show without making it one word sir yeah yeah i'm so sorry now what i mean uh it kind of gives both of them more power i think and it gives a sense of like forward movement because like you're seeing two characters actually working towards a goal as opposed to like in scared stupid where the kids are just like floating towards the scene at the end where Ernest has to save them. Like, um, you think they're going to be part of it, but they're not. So, uh, let, let's talk about Vern in this movie. Uh, because there is a particular scene where Vern, in the POV of the camera, it 
is a part of this movie, but even before that, uh, Santa Claus references Vern. Uh, when Santa is talking to someone about Ernest, he's like, oh yeah, he's a, he's a good boy, not, not too bright. I followed him until about the age of 11. He got mixed up with uh, some friend, uh, what was his name, uh, Vernon? Kind of thing. <laughs> like Santa Claus knows about Vern. I thought that was a very cute little moment. I also like that Santa Claus at some point was just like, um, too hard to track Ernest at a certain point because he's a drifter. He's a drifter. Uh, it's like I couldn't keep up with him after the age of 11. Yeah, I like the idea that Ernest is not only a drifter, but he is uh, maybe a drifter following Vern around the country and Vern just continually moves. <laughs> but, but Ernest has been on the lam since the age of 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is drifting mm-hmm. from job to job, like... That's why, like, maybe, man, maybe one day there could be, like, uh, the same way they did, like, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. They could do, like, a young Ernest Chronicles. Yeah. And get a, a, a Sean Patrick Flannery type to play a young Ernest <laughs> going on his early adventures from the age of 11 to, like, 25. He would have to be, uh, you know, traveling, doing job to job, doing hobo stuff. You know what? That uh, would be a good vehicle for uh, uh, the young uh, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things in it. <laughs> could run into carl Panzram when he's traveling the route the roads and almost get murdered by carl Panzram. it'd be great um <laughs> it'd be a very short series it would be a very short series and break can- canon yeah uh the problem is that rim shot is not in this film so i need he could have some- used a rim shot could have used a rim shot honestly if they had replaced rim shot uh if they pl- replaced harmony with rim shot would have been probably a better movie but yeah i i'm a pretty i'm, I'm pretty positive on this movie uh the it's a stuff, fucking it's a sweet movie it's a really sweet movie the harmony stuff while i you know i'm teasing the fact that they cast like a girl that was like kind of not right for the role she does a great job at the end when she like recon- she says she tells santa that she's gonna reconnect oh, with her God. parents I, I i totally like i cried during that scene to be honest to be honest when she like finally because the thing is is that she steals santa's magic uh sack because it has like the these glowing orbs in it that can create anything you want like anything your heart desires so she wants to steal that to try to get money to try to like make her life better and she is like gonna take a train to miami because <laughs> again christmas movie uh but no like she has this sudden change of heart after seeing like a mom and her two children in a uh, like a train station seeing the older brother tease the younger sister about santa claus not being real like she has a change of heart she comes back it's a sweet moment she gives him like she's running she's out of breath tears in her eyes just like i'm so sorry and gives him a sack and she's like i i believed in you i knew you would come back and do the right thing like such a sweet moment and then when Ernest finally arrives he kind of like strolls up to her kind of slyly kind of like uh shyly in a way to where like he doesn't quite look at her and i wasn't sure if he was like uh you know you kind of fucked us over or like you know i didn't know if you would come back but like then there's that sweet moment of her like oh Ernest, and giving him a kiss on the cheek and it's fucking weird it, it, it at least makes it work for me because uh, at the end of the day, I know their intent was this, this, and this, and I know that, like, everybody tried their hardest to make the moment sweet, and they mostly are very sweet, so, like, I'm, it all, it all worked for me. Well, let's I think talk that this about is, the, the, the this trajectory is Ernest is, of Ernest, Ernest, because Ernest goes to camp, 
doesn't fuck. It's him and a bunch of young boys at a summer camp. And he's just being their, their so, leader, being their hero. So the, we can't say affirmatively that he doesn't fuck. We can say that, to the best of our knowledge, Ernest does not The best fuck. of our knowledge, he doesn't fuck. And he is just hanging out with young boys on a regular basis. Um, Ernest saves Christmas. Uh, hey, there's borderline love interest in here, but she is just a very young girl that uh, is a can be considered a bit of a love interest to Ernest because Ernest is so childlike, they kind of are on the same wavelength and have a connection. <laughs> Next movie, Ernest goes to jail. Ernest fucks in that movie. Ernest is trying to fuck in that movie. I think that this young girl in this movie awakened the sexuality in Ernest to where, like, he he wanted some. Then that didn't work out, obviously. Um, so then we get Ernest Scared Stupid, where he's just back to children in a different town, driving a garbage truck. Driving the old garbage truck, trawling for children, trying to make a friend. So that's settling that's the, uh, for a dog. The, that's the arc of Ernest so far. <laughs> so far, uh, Ernest as he did, a sexual he did, being is he did do all this, uh, and then between this movie and the the uh, last movie, or not last movie, but the the movie chronologically, the the later movie that we've done, Scared Stupid, he has gained and lost a dog since then as well. Uh, yeah, so why is Rimshot going to be gone? Why well, is Rimshot not here? Do you have a theory? Rimshot was only in two movies. Um, he was just in Jail and Scared Stupid. We did those two movies before this one, which became which came out before the last two that we did. Um, so it's before they added that. And it is weird because they didn't even have that episode of the TV show where he got a dog, and obviously that's a sweet thing for Ernest. And I think they were just like, first movie it was just him at a summer camp with a bunch of young boys like being a hero figure and then they were just like oh we're doing a sweet christmas movie let's instead of a bunch of kids we'll just have the one kid and it'll be like a, a young lady and you know she'll have this adventure with Ernest and Ernest with santa claus and so on and so forth and they're like yeah maybe <laughs> they thought i was like maybe that was a little weird maybe we need to treat Ernest a little bit more grown up instead of just pairing him with a bunch of children and they're like okay maybe Ernest fucks in this movie and then maybe that's a little weird, too. So then they go back way hard, like maybe too hard. Even like Beyond goes to camp and they're just like, how about Ernest with a bunch of six-year-olds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like a whole gaggle of them. A, a fucking gaggle. A gaggle of, of children and just children. let them trust him with your children, this Ernest figure. We weirdly enough covered the plot of this movie except for one key detail. They go from this 1940s style Miracle on 34th Street style Santa to like a hip new American Santa who's this like a- Italian dude with no beard who's just kind of like this big gregarious personality. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, and he makes for a good thing because again, uh, this character, Joe Carruthers, he is like a, uh, like a, He's like a Mr. Rogers almost, like a, a a kid's television host. Like he spent the last you know decade or two on local Orlando television, like teaching kids to say please and thank you. Like you know, just a very sweet, nice-hearted guy. That his show got canceled and ended, so he's you know obviously trying to keep acting and keep making money. So he gets, and I, I do think this is a good gag within the film overall, is that he gets cast in this movie called uh, Santa Slay. And it's just like, oh, a Christmas movie. But it turns out to be like some weird B sci-fi horror movie about like I a like swamp Santa thing. Slay. Yeah, about like a swamp thing like coming in to, to kill kids during Christmas. And he has to like 
curse and like shoot the swamp thing in the head. I have not seen this movie. I'm thinking of another movie called Santa Slay. Oh, with uh, Goldberg. With Goldberg. Yeah, you guys did that on We Love to Watch, didn't you? With, no, we were going to do it. and then Oh, because the we did people, it on Press Lloyd. The people chose Shane Black Christmas over more Christmas horror. Oh, so. I did that as well because I covered Santa Slay on my podcast. I was like, I want to see Shane Black. Yeah. Yeah, we we did uh we yeah, anyways. So so what is this other movie? Is like a swamp fucking thing killing kids? Well, that's the thing. It's called like Santa Slay and he just thinks it's a Christmas movie. It's like no, like Santa Slay like S L A Y. And it's just like uh, but you think it would be like a killer Santa Claus movie, but no, I don't know if he's supposed to play Santa Claus in it or what, but it's just like him and I guess some kids in a cabin. And then, like, a fucking Swamp Thing monster, like, busts through the door. And, like, the one scene we see them shooting, it's like a weird, B-cheesy sci-fi Swamp Thing monster that comes through the door. And some part of your brain is hoping that it's, like, actually a transparent thing where, like, somebody wanted Ernest to, like, kill zombies or something after they saw Scared Stupid. <laughs> and, they, and, and then they're like, we're gonna show those guys that Ernest is a, is a kid's hero. He's not... He's not some character that we're going to let corrupt with your adult nonsense. Like, I hope that there's actually a story behind this. Because, like, it is clearly a kid's hero. They're trying to corrupt him and make him uh, swear and do violent things in this movie. Uh, well, yeah, and he, he has to be the uptight thing. He almost son of thing. a bitch in it. Yeah, yeah. But he's just like, he's about to sign on to this movie. It's like, hey, can we talk about the uh, the violence and the language? And then, like, the Hollywood guys blow up on him. Just like, hey, what do you, who do you think you are? This is the real world. I know you've been telling kids to say please and thank you so much. You probably think that's how the world works, but this is Hollywood, baby. And he has yeah, that baby. sleazy agent and stuff, Marty, <laughs> yeah. whoever. Yeah. So uh, the movie is about why Hollywood is a sleazy, corrupting force that'll get you. And and how we need to keep Christ in Christmas, and how we need to keep Christ in Christmas. We're we're doing this series, huh? We're doing the whole the whole whole series. So that is it is kind of a fun sequence because you get to see uh, the movie try and concoct a scene that doesn't involve Ernest, Gerard Sartain, anything. By the way, Gerard Sartain kind of sidelined in this movie. I talked about earlier. I really wish that they got to at some point do an Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy thing with I I do wish they they had kept Bobby, like they kept Bill Burge uh, and had those two do like a Laurel and Hardy. I think that would have been great. But, you know, they needed a bigger name so they got uh, Bronson Pinchot. And uh, Bronson Pinchot is actually a pretty, like, I, I watched some Perfect Strangers recently and the show is very, like, not funny like the writing is really shitty bronson pinchett is actually a pretty talented comedic actor um, he is well yeah if you look at like the beverly hills cop films and stuff like that like he can be a very comedically like even if the material is shitty because same thing with like beverly hills cop like he plays like very stereotypical kind of gay character in, in those movies and same thing with perfect strangers the whole joke of the show is just like hey foreign people are weird uh but... oh my god it's eight like eight seasons of ain't foreign people weird yeah, exactly. But he still like is able to have a comedic persona and comedic charisma and even like shittily written material. So I get why they would put Garrett Sartain and him together, but and but I don't get why Garrett Sartain never got a fair shake uh, up against Ernest as like his buddy in one of these movies, like those two together. Because in this movie Garrett Sartain, Chuck and Bobby get, have to 
the two. Well, yeah, they just, just work like, at the watch airport. Over reindeers. They're they're not friends with uh with Ernest like they were in Goes to Jail they, or they get, things like that. It's like it's like those two hated each other and wouldn't be on the same set together or something because like they almost never interact in these movies and then Garrett Sartain is just gone. Well, I think. I don't even think it's that because obviously they work together a lot. I don't think they had a negative relationship. I yeah, think no, it, I'm not. That, I'm not like, speculating anything. I'm just saying. I think in general, it's that it, whether it's the show or these movies, it's that they feel like Ernest can only go so far as a character, and you can only handle Ernest for so long. So you need comic relief. You need comic relief from Ernest, who is a kind of comic relief. So that is Chuck and Bobby. That That is uh, Chuck and whoever the guy was in Ernest Goes to Camp. That's, you know, after we get enough Ernest for about 15, 20 minutes, guess what? We cut back over to these other silly guys doing another funny thing. You know, and eventually they'll come together and have a scene or two together. But no, it's like the, the sub-comedic relief. It's whenever Ernest gets a bit too trying, you cut away to these guys. They're the backup comic relief. And, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of jokes going on. It's not like they're trying to hide the reindeer from a supervisor or something. It's not like they're That actually to, like... would have... I'm sorry, I totally hit my microphone. But that actually would have been a really good, like, bit for them to do is trying to hide the reindeer from their supervisor. But they're, like, floating on the ceiling and flying and shitting everywhere and it's moaning just, or whatever. It's just Gaylord Sartain just doing a lot of, like, rapid eye movements and shit like that. Oh, for sure, and it's it's those two kind of just being like, wow, these reindeer are crazy. Like in that in that way, the three Santa Claus movies are funnier because at least the three Santa Claus movies found something funny for the reindeer to do. Well, here's the thing about the reindeer in this movie, though, is that they were shooting in Florida at whatever time of year, and they got actual reindeer. But uh, reindeer happened to shed their horns around the time that they shot this movie. So there was only, like, one reindeer that actually had, like, a half set of horns grown in. And you'll notice that all the other ones, like, have fake horns, like, set up on their head. So I think they kind of used Chuck and Bobby as a way to, like, not show the reindeer. To be like, oh, the reindeer went up on the roof. And then, like, you can just cut to Chuck and Bobby, like, having reactions to them being on the roof. As opposed to showing the reindeer more than you need to. Yeah, um, I think if they had put Chuck and Bobby up, uh, up up against Ernest or whatever more in this movie, or have them be like people trying to foil Ernest in some way, um, would have worked better. But anyways, so yeah, th- that's uh, that's kind of the movie. I mean, basically they get, uh, after Joe is sick of being in this movie and he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be in this dark swamp flicks movie. Um, don't, he doesn't don't want to call it a swamp flicks movie. He doesn't want to be in Brandon Lede's uh, movie. Brandon Lede's uh, shitty, like, Swamp Thing monster Christmas movie. <laughs> which we know you've been writing, Brandon. Like, come we on. We know you've been writing it. it the, Joe gets sick of doing this Swamp movie. It is a Swamp horror movie. And he, like, sees a, sign, a miracle in the sky, which is Ernest flying the sleigh. And, which is pretty again, enjoyable. Are we going to mention the, uh, the elves in this movie? No, we're not. Um, so again, Ernest does, ends up with the sack, ends up with the sleigh entirely by accident. So he's like, the whole movie has just been like acquiring specific components of Santa's mythology and denying them to Santa. The, 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 the basically Ernest is flying the sleigh around and then Joe sees the sleigh and is like, oh, I believe. That's not belief. 
that's just knowledge. You, there's no faith involved in this act, Joe. Like you just. Well, they're like, fighting like, against uh, the Christ Santa Christmas must be... thing that they set up in the beginning. That's why we call it an ark. They set it up like, oh, you got to keep the Christ. You got to have the faith. Well, guess what? Sometimes you just need full-on proof, which is watching <laughs> Ernest P. Whirl ride around in a sleigh with a couple of elves, uh, breathing in outer space. Um, that happens. I think. Okay, so I think that the the scientific mechanics of the sleigh create a small air bubble wherein yeah, well, I, yeah, no it has break. shields of course it has shields uh, obviously i i didn't want to talk down to you but i did and i don't regret it <laughs> well you, you gotta get your jolly somehow <laughs> and it's abusing co-hosts over santa facts and i use the f word hard that's a fact Oh, <laughs> that's not <laughs> what I thought you meant. I don't know. Uh, we can talk about the uh, the snake handler character that he does, which is a new one in the movies. Uh, that does stem back from the uh, the Haver and It's My Family album thing. Yes. Uh, from from that. But even something that we haven't even really seen on the show, I don't think. Um, no, we've not seen it on the show. It is new to our specific podcast. But it's a very like southern kind of like Louisiana swamp kind of dude with like the hat it's... and the suspenders and just like hey, hey boy, yeah. got the got these snakes over here. It's weirdly enough, um, it's it, Ernest is is weirdly an egalitarian character where he's he sometimes picks characters from all walks of life to make fun of. His auntie Nelda character is picking like an old stuck up like Yankee woman. Uh, his prison uh, prison you know warden government hack character in this is clearly making fun of like waspy, like a waspy east coast yeah. rich people then he uh, has like the southern swampy people and yeah. that's him making fun of southern swampy people that's even him has like fun at the south because yeah, nobody in the south forward, thinks they're that kind of redneck right yeah but i mean uh the ones that are probably don't even think about that and they just yes or who they are um but yeah no he has that he has like his, his flying ace character like he he has pretty much like every kind of personality type that he could possibly play yeah and uh and the new snake handler character is pretty funny uh they dump a bucket of snakes in his truck which is not how hollywood works i would think yeah <laughs> uh but no I, I like that but then yeah that leads to a very good scene he's just like he's in character but he breaks it briefly just like uh shit snakes and he's almost like again has a bit of an in hit jones thing with him where then it like cuts to him and santa claus talking outside of his truck and he's just like offhandedly throwing snakes over his shoulder like getting them out of his truck and then when he finally reveals his face he has like five snakes latched onto <laughs> different parts of his face so I, I that was just, a pretty good I, gag it is a pretty good gag i just watched peewee's big adventure for the first time this week. oh that's a good uh, snake scene and uh, also, it features Pee-wee, arguably Ernest's competitor. Pee-wee uh, running around being terrified of snakes as well. And it's kind of like a fun kid gag where you're like, kids are obsessed with that kind of gross. Oh, yeah. No, I'm snakes still terrified and spiders of snakes and vomit to this day. And... However, I yeah. will say with Pee-wee, though, there is, there is a sweetness to that scene that I don't think Ernest ever really reaches. Because there, there's something in that scene of Pee-wee being afraid of snakes, thinking they're gross and terrible, but there's danger, so he is going to sacrifice his own feelings and sacrifice that in order to save two handfuls of snakes out of a pet shop that's on fire. Like, there's a sweetness to that that, like, 
Ernest, I think, has a hard time matching in a lot of ways, and that's probably why he's not quite as popular. So it's it's a hard thing to ask because I watched two Pee Wee things for the first time ever last night. And the weird thing about Pee Wee is that Pee Wee is weirdly self aware. He's not this like a uh, he doesn't seem to be oblivious of all this shit. Like he seems to know what people are telling him, and he knows when people are weirdos. Well, no, he he, he knows, t- but he is living in his own world and prefers it that way. While yes. Ernest is oblivious to almost everything so, around him. So it does have a question of what's sweeter: someone who is very self aware and yet does the right thing because they know that that's what they're supposed to do or somebody that does the right thing because they don't know any better well and that's the thing because two different types of sweetness there there is but they both share the thing is that they are both pure of heart they both have kind hearts and peewee is a bit more together he is a bit more in control of his world and controls the things that happen outside of him and is able to storm in any situation as like a tornado of, of fun and, and of kindness. While Ernest is very sweethearted, very kind of heart, but just kind of bumbles into scenarios and bumbles into people's lives, but still kind of changes them for the better, mostly. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. And in this movie, um, Ernest, weirdly enough, through his bumbling and bringing the girl Harmony in... And through his bumbling and having to take the sleigh out on another way, weirdly does save Christmas. Which I think the whole sleigh thing is really just to give Ernest something to do with the story. (laughs) Yes. So if this girl hadn't run into Santa, her life would still be on the road. She'd still be stealing. She'd be dead Let's be honest. Yeah. 100%. Eventually her charms would run out. They basically were like, did you see the Florida project? Like, that's where, that was right across the street (laughs) going on. She would have wound up, like, begging Willem Dafoe for a room and probably getting turned away. And, yeah, you see what happens on the streets of Orlando. Yeah, you see what happens on the streets. And that's a harmony. Uh, So, you want to know how good of a con artist harmony is? How good is she? Fifteen minutes after, she uses the excuse that, like, oh, well, my brother is is in the bathroom, but he snuck out. He said he would pay for lunch. Fifteen minutes later, I was like, is her brother gonna show up? oh you bought it you bought it initially where she was just, just like oh my brother does this to me all the time he's just messing with me like he says he's gonna pay for lunch and then he sneaks out on me just so just let I me go this one time and it'll never happen again i promise guy i was her mark so uh i wouldn't be surprised if that was the audition was just that one speech to the guy to see well, how charming you can con somebody after you've already definitely been caught. Well, and that's why I like this character so much, and I like this actress in this role, is that she does have a very strong personality to where, like, even when she does try to hustle you and stuff, like, she does seem sincere. Like, obviously, within the movie context, you know that, like, that's her character, so she's trying to get one over on everyone around her. But just, like, running into her as a person in real life, like, yeah, I would probably buy into her stuff too and be like, oh, no, yeah, she seems sincere. Like, she has so much spunk and energy and stuff. Like, what? why would I doubt her? I completely agree. And I think that that is truly why Ernest saves Christmas is because he, she helps, through Ernest's bumbling, she redeems herself uh, and Joe gets a second chance at becoming Santa because he turns it down the first time. But because of Ernest's bumbling... He gets to, he gets to actually step up and do the thing he was always meant to be, and I think that's I think that's a great way to end the episode. Is just talking about how uh, the title of the movie is actually accurate.
Yeah, because he does save Christmas because he allows all these characters to come together. He keeps them together and keeps forcing himself in every situation to keep these characters together in order to save Christmas. He is a he is a cog in the great wheel that is that uh, is Christmas. Um, I just realized we didn't actually talk about the Vern scene where it is POV and just Ernest destroying Vern's house, bringing in a Christmas it is a, tree. It, it's it's a great uh, late series edition that I hope to see more of, which is Vern getting to basically a mini commercial in well, it. Where that's the thing. Ernest it's not even a mini commercial. This would have been an extended commercial because this went on for several minutes. Yeah, Ernest Ernest says, I got a friend who needs a Christmas tree. And at that point, you don't think, like, they mean... It's too early in the movie. They could mean Vern. They mean a new character that's important to the plot. Like a weird old janitor he made friends with. Or he made friends with Carl Panzram out on the road. But he's talking about, like, oh, I have this best friend and he loves me and he's the greatest guy. And they knock on the door and immediately, like, the door opens. We see the Vern POV of the camera. And he's like, hey, Vern. And then immediately gets the door slammed in his face. (laughs) So that's the other thing about the Ernest series you have to love is self-references back to what made him famous. Yeah. You have to love that for you to love these movies, because, like, it is definitely a wink back at, like, the glory days of, like, what made them a lot of money. Well, and that... It's a, it's it's half a, a wink, maybe, to fans that were fans beforehand, but it's mostly just recycling jokes is oh kind of what God, they were yeah. all about. But recycling jokes on a uh, Disney budget. Uh, on a Disney budget, exactly. But yeah, uh, having that scene is great, and then Ernest uh, and Vern have like a little moment, and Vern gets to be in one of these movies, which is just a lovely thing. I think it's uh, a, it's a great way to have somebody bounce off of Ernest, because uh, it is viewed from a, literally and figuratively, viewed from a different perspective than other characters. Well, and I characters think it's also... usually bounce off Ernest, just want to beat him up or terrorize well, him. It's, I think this it's just... what you want Chuck to be doing. I think that's what yes, you want Chuck's role true. to be, I... is the Vern-type character in these movies. I, wa- I want Chuck to be someone that buys into Ernest's plans, or, and then gets like frustrated when they don't come to fruition or chuck to be somebody that like is trying to royal up Ernest and his plans and then well, Ernest tries chuck to back away like from him and an annoyed like john belushi type neighbor kind of thing like yeah, really he, well <laughs> so chuck could be another Vern, or chuck could be Ernest's Ernest. he could be somebody who tries to get Ernest in on his weird plans and even Ernest is throwing up his hands which is really like funny. hey I, I have a christmas to save i have a plot that i need to be a part of quit dragging me away from this with your crazy ideas i would love for that i would love that but yeah that is that is the great tragedy of of uh these early movies that garrett sartain is so fucking funny but he doesn't quite get to get there he doesn't um, get enough uh, this is definitely a enough. step down from from ghost of joe which we did last time because he had way more to do in that movie and was way more funny like he has a good better to hear but he's just very sidelined and there's so many other characters and so much more going on in this movie that yeah he maybe has like five minutes or less of screen time so what is uh sorry i'm pulling up the team the team doc to get the list going does Ernest so, fuck in this movie i sure hope not i sure um, hope not <laughs> uh, uh, who does Ernest defend this week uh we didn't talk about the elves we did not talk about the elves. Uh, the elves uh, are very strange because they're just little people, yeah, they're two and little they people. pitch up their voice to make them more uh, up pitched. Definitely not helping uh, in the way you know Game of Thrones is helping. Definitely not helping. 
Well, yeah, because, I mean, it's not even necessarily anything overly bad, but it's just they don't really have characters. They have maybe, like, three lines apiece. They're just kind of background actors, if anything. They're just like, oh, we need elves, we got the elves. There's some little people playing elves, but they don't really get any kind of arc or character or anything like that. And it's just kind of like, oh, well, you know, they got jobs. <laughs> That's yeah. something. Yeah. They're working. Yeah. Um, so what powers does Ernest display this week? I think not many because he's um, co-opting the powers of, of Santa mostly. Oh, yeah. He, he is wheezing the juice on Santa powers this he's week. The ju- uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, he is not. He is not. Wheezing the juice. Uh, know what I mean? Wheezing wheezin the juice. Uh, know what I mean? <laughs> Eat my shorts. <laughs> just go through them all eat my shirts know what i mean just go through them all um uh, so food as weapons was that displayed this week um was it uh ooh. uh did Ernest eat anything in this movie i don't think so i don't think so either i feel uh, like there was a scene d- at least that took place at some sort of diner or something or some sort of like cafe but i don't recall enough yeah uh was Ernest a hero to children i hope he was a hero he was a hero to one child at least to one child and that's all it takes this christmas season be a hero to one child people telling Ernest to grow up people i mean people yell at him for being shitty at uh, yes yes because there's the the he's in the same boat as santa he's just another santa people telling him to grow up people telling him that he's crazy to believe these things but no he's the only one that believes in santa from the beginning like basically as soon as that he has a brief moment of like yeah sure old guy and he's like fuck santa (laughs) almost immediately people are like immediately like doubting both him and santa and he believes in santa and believes in himself pretty much throughout the movie uh also he gets fired from the cab company for giving a free fare which is totally like a grow up earnest moment yeah exactly just like hey we're running a business here you you give like a free ride to every you know bum you come across and stuff and he's like hey but i had a good feeling about this guy this was fucking santa claus and they're just like you're fired Ernest." and he's like oh fuck yeah that's what i get for being <laughs> a good person all the time ah jeez I was just trying to do my working class job. I guess I have to murder a woman on my way to Santa Fe. (laughs) For Ernest does tacos. Oh, no. (laughs) Or like a train driving Ernest. Yeah. What are are other Ernest movies? Hey, Vern, it's a terror train. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Vern, it's global warming. (laughs) Um... So, does Ernest cause the central problem of the movie? Yes. Um, and no. Yes he and steals. no. Well, because you do have... Joe would have never of... Joe would have never come back if it wasn't for Ernest. So he would have never come back if it weren't for Ernest. Um, it's not necessarily Ernest's fault. He should have been a better cab driver and been like, hey, get your bags out of the back, help them out with that. But you're also dealing with like a forgetful Santa. So he just forgets about his bag. But that just keeps Ernest in the plot that ultimately lets him save christmas all right i'm just saying that the script is fucking foolproof it is foolproof it's earnest proof because he is a fool uh so marcus do you have any final thoughts on this old Ernest saves christmas before we wish our lovely listeners a holiday message 
Well, I mean, obviously I know what message you're talking about, which is a lovely message. Uh, I will also say, though, that after that message in the film, there is kind of like a bit of a bonus sequence, uh, which almost seems like a setup for another movie, but is obviously just like another little Chuck and Bobby bit thrown in, which is like a... It's them working at the airport, and they've had this whole thing, the whole movie, about arguing over whether a, whether a letter looks like this or that. So, like, he thinks that the the crates of reindeer are reserved for uh, helper elms instead of helper elves. And then uh, Chuck finally gets it right, because he's like, no, this is an E. And Bobby's like, V. No, E, V. And it's like, no, E, bunny. And then, like, an Easter bunny bust out of a crate, and then it goes to credits. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a good nod. Uh, I do kind of wish that we lived in a connect the connected universe that we were promised from the MCU for this. Yeah, um, and uh, that they could have just gotten their own weird side movie where they uh, fight the Easter Bunny in grim conflict. <laughs> Ernest casually respects Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Ernest wants to put the Christ back in Easter in Christmas, and he wants to put the bunny back in Easter. He wants to put he the thinks, E's he thinks back Easter in got Easter. A, he, he thinks that Easter got a little too Jesus-y. He's trying to balance things out. Which actually, yeah, we did have the Easter scene in the, the episode where Chuck and Bobby are like hiding and finding Easter eggs. So <laughs> it, it came full circle, guy. <laughs> So yeah, let's talk about the, let's wrap this up. Let's talk about the final message, the final idea we want to get out to our listeners that the movie wants to get out to the viewer. Our final message out to the viewer for this holiday season. We're going to say it together. (laughs) Say it together. Okay. Three, two, one. Merry Merry Christmas Christmas to all. all. And And to to all all a good good night. night. Know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) fucking nailed it nailed Nailed it it. nailed it good night everyone we love you so much thank you for listening join us next time for Ernest Ernest dribbles basketballs Ernest does a basketball (laughs) good night good night we wish you a Merry Christmas we wish you a Merry Christmas we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year